This programme was first broadcast on Canterbury's community access radio station Plains FM 96.9 and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Kia ora and welcome to Garden of Sound. I'm your host Ian Turner. Garden of Sound is brought to you by 4YP, supporting community and positive youth development initiatives. You can find out more at 4yp.org. On today's show, James Meharry. It's a name you should know if you know anything about music or the arts in Christchurch, or motorbikes for that matter. One of five kids with a hard-working mum keeping them all in line, grandson to Doris Lusk, and driving force behind Christchurch's rave culture in the 90s. But what next for the station director of RDU? And is there enough in the tank to keep on giving to the New Zealand alt music scene? This is the Garden of Sound interview with James Meharry on Plains FM 96.9. James, I want to ask about um, music in your life. Do you have a first memory of music? I was trying to think about the answer for this, and I'll be honest and say there's a good period of my life. I was second to lowest amongst five children of a solo mother, and, and there was a lot of noise other than music going on when I was a child. Having said that, you know, our mother was, um, she was Anglican, and we were encouraged or dragged probably more resentfully along to church quite a lot. So, you know, I think that choral music was probably a very strong beginning when I think of music I was trying to think of a single piece that stuck in my head and for some reason my mother was into Rod Stewart and I remember the cover one of my earliest memories was um, Atlantic Crossing and that horrible one onesie and you know I'd like to forget and those are those there's very little there wasn't a huge amount of music in my house and music was a choice that came later for me as opposed to the visual arts, which I grew up in a very um, rich environment with creativity, and that was because our grandmother lived, who was quite a well-known landscape painter, and she lived on the same property as us as children. So our five kids bumbling around on the front property, she was on the property just behind us. So we got to interact with her, her practice, the arts, which involved painting and ceramics, so she had a kiln and a studio, Potter's studio there as well. And, you know, so we interacted a lot with that. And, I mean, she she appreciated classical music predominantly. Um, we'd go a lot to symphonies, the orchestra, etc. She'd drag us along and promptly fall asleep. Was there anything that inspired you in that classical <clears throat> music? The sound, any particular instruments? I think the idea of orchestral composition probably inspired me. Not specifically any instruments, but as it came later... When I became interested in um, my own my own interests, became peaked in music, the orchestral side of electronic music, or what I started to call the orchestra of drums, when I first heard it, was was what sort of piqued my attention, and maybe that from a compositional perspective, um, and that that's in line with the growth in technology, um, the early years, uh, late eighties and early nineties of sampling technology and people's willingness to sort of I guess abuse that equipment to try and really sort of get the most that they could get out of it because they were quite limited but they were quite powerful in their potential and so you know a great range of musicians really sort of started to manipulate 
machines nowadays obviously software etc just is a plethora of options for people but in the early days it was um you know 16 meg worth of data um space and you had to you know use the power of the synthesizer to control that sound so aside from your your grandmother was there any other sort of artistic flair in the family displayed oh there's a lot of creativity in my family and 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 um, more, more recently, my two sisters, Tatiana Mihari and Natasha English, were second-time Supreme winners at the WOW Awards for um, in their pieces that they've produced, which they produced a couple of very nationalist topics. Where are your Where are your parents in this? Was there a sort of any? Did it skip a generation? Did mum and dad? Oh, my mother probably stimulated uh, quite a lot of the craft. Yeah. I think um, you know she. Being a solo mother, she had to work really hard with trying to balance, you know, income for um, five children and um, and the life of actually raising children. So, you know, it was hectic. For example, she would go about, set up the garage as a, a sewing sort of shop, workshop. And so between her and my two sisters and a little bit to a degree us, I got my hands got my hands dirty and some in the rag trade a little bit so I, I know enough about it to appreciate what they do and my mother would like spend all week sewing and producing all sorts of items like craft items some you know like pot mitts and really elaborate kind of um, beautiful things to quilts to knitting mohair um, jerseys etc and we take them up to the art center so the first you know the first rendition of the art center on Saturday mornings that you know I became very very familiar with and between that and COCA, which my, my grandmother was the president of COCA, <clears throat> the Society of the Arts at the time, that particular area, which is up Gloucester Street, and we lived down at 528 Gloucester Street. There'd be activities in the house, building, making, and we're all like a little, little family of makers, basically. It sounds like an amazing childhood. Yeah, it was really, I mean, we didn't have a lot to work with. I mean, I've got very fond memories of, of building things with, you know, egg cartons, toilet rolls, cigarette packets, you know, like all of the things that you could do out of cardboard before um, mum managed to scrounge enough money to buy us a, a, a bucket of Toro, <laughs> the poor man's Lego. But, you know, like, I mean, that's just, it, it causes you to be really imaginative. And, um, yeah, I feel really fond, feel really fondly about sort of how we grow up in that, in that way. Is there anything in particular which may have influenced the man that James Me Harry is? Yeah, I I thought about, even though it's a tough piece of music, it's also, it. I, I, what I found, as I was touching on earlier around this idea of the orchestra of composition, was um, there were some producers very early in the 90s who really did some outstanding um, pr- production with using samplers and a multi, uh, you know layers of them there's layering them up and they 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 didn't get restricted by the technology the restrictions of the technology they they just multiplied them and so they overcame those problems to make these fantastic compositions that nowadays you would you would compare them and say well it seems relatively simple what they're doing anybody can do that but if you think about the fact that this piece of music is possibly 25 years old, you, you begin to appreciate how fantastic the composition is, sonically. So that's the bass, sub-bass as it drives, the the rhythm of the drums, and then the, I guess, the pads or the atmosphere that um, surrounds the mood. And 
what I was fascinated with it was the early jungle music or breakbeat music which was coming out of the UK and 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 in this piece of music I think it might have been produced around 94 95 or 96 um, it was written by an artist called Peche and it's called the nocturnal and it kind of sums up I think it's probably my favorite jungle it's got a moody thing which you know the moody thing I essentially represented the moodier side of electronic music here in Christchurch when I started DJing um, you know the friends and people that I DJed with and produced parties for when we called them raves I think they were called raves then um, you know I would always represent that darker sort of sound so this piece of music really does kind of sum up my feeling. It's got a fantastic rhythm in it. It's essentially a couple of breakbeats which have been pulled from old funk tunes which have been then reproduced. There's probably about four or five different breakbeats in there actually. And breakbeats, you know, as a concept, they are old funk breaks or hip that, that then get sort of resampled using the sampler. They get processed and reproduced into something that essentially is a more science fiction or fantastical style of the same rhythm. And then they roll them into these amazing compositions. And as you can hear in this piece, um, it does this fantastic uh, addition where it'll roll one of these breakbeats and you get to get the sense of that rhythm. And then it'll add the second one on top. And so well, you get this fantastic combination. And that, to me, has always represented the idea of jungle or jungle music, which is the idea of two breakbeats essentially doing this dance. And they do this great dance together rhythmically, which this tune inside this atmosphere is a really fantastic representation of that. So, yeah, I hope you enjoy it.
given the proper nutrients, both potential the endless, the endless, the endless, the endless, the endless. This is the Garden of Sound interview with James Meharry on Plains FM 96.9. James, I want to talk about getting along to to gigs and concerts and and things like that. What's the first thing you remember attending or perhaps something that you actually shelled out some cash to get along to see? I don't think this necessarily represents my taste in music now, but it's interesting because when you think about childhood you, you know, the childhood really wants the experience. It doesn't necessarily... I mean, there's lots of people who like to think that they were very in tune with their musical taste when they were young. But, I mean, really, I mean, to be completely frank, I, I didn't have much idea. I, I, I found that this particular piece of music, Great Southern Land by Icehouse... I'd had heard it on radio, and then Ice House was coming to Christchurch, and so I mowed 500 lawns and um, begged, begged, borrowed, and stole everything I could get to get whatever the money was. I can't remember how much it was. Growing up in Christchurch, I'm not sure where else you've sort of lived around the traps, um, you would have had an experience with a lot of venues um, playing mm. different places or at least seeing things or, or performing there. Is there anything else apart from the town hall, which I'm sure has got a number mm. of amazing memories, which mm. has stood out to you, sort of particular venues where you've seen something amazing or performed yourself? Because DJs didn't really have an environment to be booked in back in when I began, I just started putting on my own parties. So, or, or and as it got known, they became known as the word, the word rave started circulating. And then because we were playing multiple genres of music, uh, rave became the name that stuck. Uh, venues, I, I, I went out and just engaged with a whole range of spaces. So I didn't take to to what you'd call legal venues, and that's I guess the idea of a legal rave is you know you just go warehouse parties and stuff is you just go and find a space and then you activate it, and that's that idea of then getting that social community to come and interact with that, 
And now it's very common, people do that type of thing. There's whole entities that just, that's their, their MO is to continue that. How many gigs have been you know, busted by the, um, by the cops? Oh, none actually, I don't think. That's very fortunate. No, it's very good. We we generally we, we generally tried to operate within the law, and for for quite quite a period, it was actually just uh, ignorance that allowed us to operate. So no one really knew what we were doing. We would use the term multimedia performance or something like that, and people would be like, "Of course you can um, do, of course you can do this multimedia performance up at Scalarup Park and on Victoria above Victoria Park and on the Port Hills, no problem." Um, it's your park anyway, that's what Doc said, and they're right, it is a public space. So Very what? much before health and safety and oh, let's get a permit. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. And I mean, nevertheless, you know, there was still a, an episode where in that particular event where we needed to get a fire engine up there to try and pour water on um, something that was burning like three feet deep in, in, in some pine needles. So, you know, I mean, you still, uh, it was definitely more risque, there's no doubt about that, and, and we pumped out 20 thousand watts worth of sound over the lower upper Kashmir um, you know causing a little bit of distress for some of the community for for that particular evening but you know we created an amazing experience and um, for young minds and um, you know those venues for me now if I go back to them um, Bell sign of the Bellbird um, Godly Head you know places around the Port Hills for me are you know, they have a lot of more emotional kind of a connection for me because um, I have spent a lot of time on them. I mean, at the time that I was doing the one in Scalarup Park, I was training for the Coast to Coast. And so I was, I really did almost bust a nut kind of going up and down training at the same time as putting together an entire production on Scalarup Park, which almost did me in, to be honest, but I wouldn't do that again. <laughs> How did you do in the Coast to Coast? Oh, I, I, I made it. <laughs> it was just barely, I, I assure you, just barely. You seem an incredibly motivated individual. Where does, where does that come from? Well, actually, I would probably say that I'm not very motivated. I'm just very determined. Um, motivation is probably something. I mean, a lot of people struggle with different things in their life, I think. I struggle mostly with motivation. I, I sort of tend to wane off off achieving things and again this links into what would, what advice would I supply people with and I'd say just to young people just try and finish what you start you know it's um, I started a lot of projects in my life and I, I'd like like to think that um, now I'm a little bit more focused on trying to finish some what are your what are your top three um, I'm currently building an alternative form of record cutting equipment it's fundamentally different, so it needs to be proven whether it actually functions or not. And then beyond that, it then needs to be actually designed into a way where, where it can, can operate within the, um, I think there's a term for it, but just make it make it slot in so that we don't have to change too much. We can just add that piece of equipment in and it, it hopefully will perform better than the current equipment, which is a massive goal, but I definitely want to get that particular project to an end. I'm working on a project with a couple of friends that involves meditative um, listening and story experiences when you go to places um, and you will want something to relax you or you want to engage with the space you listen to a, a you can choose a piece of audio that gives you a sense of, of story and a sense of place that also enables you to kind of um, meditate so it has brain sync or um, binaural beat 
generation happening in it and so you have a sort of relaxing experience where it, it raises your attention towards yourself and where you are at that particular moment and also brings to attention certain things that are going on in that environment so that you can have a heightened awareness and ultimately a great experience. Um, we're doing a launch of that in the next month or so. so Is there a name for it? Yeah, Wanderable. So the idea of wandering and and being able to have a meditative experience. I think it's time for some more music. Yeah, sure. Is there anything that, that James has been listening to for a while or recently? I think the one that I chose, I was going to get into some real old school stuff because I'm actually a bogan at heart, but... And, you know, like I said, I've got a big gamut and it was really hard for me to choose. <laughs> it was really hard. There's just so much music, so much great music that I love. And there's a f- couple of pieces that hopefully we can share today. Um, one of them is a great l- duo who is, again, a UK artist um, called Underworld. And they m- very make fantastic um, electronic um, productions. They also make these amazing live performances, which I've seen a couple of over the years in different parts of the world. And um, one of their most famous tracks is called Born Slippy. Um, it's appeared, you know, in a, in a, on you know famous movies um, and um, well-known movies. And um, it was in particularly there's this uh, mix that I really enjoyed. But there's a really nice mix by Alma and Mater, and it's an edit by them that I think is very much keeping the emotion and the, without the intensity, it it, um, it it gives you another sort of really beautiful way to listen to the same idea that they they essentially achieved in the original. So yeah, it's um, Born Slippy, the Alma and Mater edit by Underworld.
This is the Garden of Sound interview with James Meharry on Plains FM 96.9. James, I want to talk about uh, DJ slash producer Pylons. Hmm. When did this when did this kick off? You talked about putting on raves. Mm. Was this all part and parcel, the production of the music for the event? There wasn't a lot to learn from back then. I mean, I did some audio engineering courses. I was on an unemployment benefit and, and part of the that, that opportunity that the, the social welfare would give you was to go and learn at various institutions. And, and Namata Waka was one that offered an um, audio engineering course. This is back in 95, 96. And, and so I took that opportunity. I'd already set up a wee studio for myself and I was exploring the technology. Um, but there was no courses. There was Typo Nee over in um, um, well, the West Coast at the time. Um, and there was, I think, SAE or something up in Auckland. So there wasn't a lot of opportunity. But basically, I took to it. Um, and then I think I, might, I must credit um, Andrew Peman from Salmonella Dub for um, inviting me in, I guess, to DJ support. Um, for their touring, um, he liked the music that I played. I played, you know, Jungle, obviously, which he he really enjoyed. Um, he was doing um, a number of remixes with different artists who also dabbled with Jungle, like David Harrow, and um, he um, and he asked me to do some remixes. And so, you know, my very first foray is as in. Um, I think it's called Home Dub actually. It might be a backdrop or a precursor to Love Your Ways. And um, I think Tiki and I got a analog mixing desk and we went to my mum's place and we set up in my bedroom. And it was like literally the first time we'd ever, I mean Tiki's done lots of dubs and he's a fantastic engineer. Like he's, you know, king of the dubs as it were. And so, but he entertained me. More than I entertained him, I'm sure. <laughs> While we um, knocked out this sort of um, a rehash of this tune, uh, I did subsequently did another remix of it, I think, which is published. Subsequently, I kind of interacted with a number of um, you know well-known New Zealand artists, uh, bands, performers, um, Pitch Black, Black Seeds, Fat Freddy's Drop, and um, you know Lady Six, and did. A number of little remixes, which were jungle slash drum and bass, electronic, um, including Salmonella Dub. So that was kind of my little foray for a period there, and um, I was doing that at the same time as as DJing quite a lot and um, and producing parties and and events. Uh, and at that time, I think in the early two thousands, I was working. I started working at RDU. And um, and I started Fable Music, which is a record label that I ran for four or five years just before CDs essentially got got sideswiped by um, peer-to-peer sharing and and, and the internet. (laughs) You just mentioned RDU and Mm. RDU offering an alternative voice, as it were, Mm. if I use that word alternative, Mm. compared to to popular. How important is it for for places like RDU and um, uh, Radio 1 and Mm. Radioactive to be be in New Zealand and active? Oh, hugely important. I was just talking to someone at one of our funders actually who was uh, who we would just be working on a uh, on a new project to for Adi to work on and and I was stepping out for her the, the 40 years you know 40 to 50 I mean BFM's going to turn 50 next year and and we're really in that bracket now where we've been around for a significant period of time we had a role um, that has changed over the 40 years but it has it, it hasn't ceased in its a desire to be inclusive of 
a greater range of of New Zealand music. Student radio started New Zealand Music Week. So for 20 years or more, student radio was responsible for, for prioritising New Zealand music. This is before the Broadcasting Act was established. This is before New Zealand on Air existed, a long time before then, and um, before the New Zealand Music Commission started New Zealand Music Month. Student radio started the the crusade, I suppose, on on the behalf of New Zealand producers, New Zealand musicians, and and everyone who wanted to have an authentic New Zealand voice. And so, you know, you can imagine, you know, for for forty years or more, people have turned to student radio, and for consistently maintaining that that role. And that's probably the key or core kind of function that we provide. We do other things, of course. We're student related, and we provide broadcasting outcomes and. But really, you know, one of our core function was functions was um, supporting New Zealand music. And a significant gear change. Mm. I want to go back to the uh, uh, to your work mm. as pylons, mm. or perhaps even as James Meharry. Mm. Um, is there any particular track that you'd like to play right now? Share something that's special that you've you've put together. Yeah, I, I tried to tie this choice into the very first track that you asked me about. Um, it's the Peche and the idea of jungle music. So I was very influenced, and by that, I, I the orchestra of drums is how I first referenced it when I didn't have any understanding of what else it would be, could be. And um, it's connected to bass music and reggae music and and dub and those kind of genres. That's where um, jungle music kind of came out of. Um, but the more sci-fi kind of um, uh, electronic side of um, drum and bass was what I really had an affinity with, and one particular artist um, or duo that I had a lot of respect for and toured with a number of times uh, was Pitch Black. Mm -hmm. And so I did a remix for Pitch Black, um, the one tune that really stood out for me in their live performances. And their live performances are always so hugely dynamic on, and they always got their sound sounding really big and and it, and it really it captured what I loved about the idea of rave music and how enveloping it can be. And the one particular tune was called um, Electric Earth. It's got jungle rhythms and it's got essentially, I think if I tie it back to the piche, is that it's got essentially two, two, two breakbeats. And, and, and they do essentially this dance together alongside a bass line, which again, rhythmically, that's kind of what jungle music is all about, is about finding a, finding a really core cool rhythm and getting into that mode sonically. And I think of all the remixes that I've done, this one hits it right on the head. Energy and thought. 
rhythms, rhythms and mutations, matter and energy, energy and thought, thought and rhythms, rhythms and mutations.
This is the Garden of Sound interview with James Meharry on Plains FM 96. Point nine, uh, James, you've talked about a number of uh, projects on the horizon. There's some uh, tech bits and pieces slotting into new ways of cutting vinyl. You've talked about um, Wonderball as well. Uh, what about personally or professionally? Is there any anywhere in the next sort of five or ten years that, that James wants to get to? Professionally, I've been operating as the chairperson for the Student Radio Network for the last almost post-quake I mean there was a bit of a lull there obviously because I was a little bit sidetracked with keeping the broadcast happening and building a new studio and a truck but once I got back on board um, we've been working towards a um, a network top 10 which um, is quite potent in, in, in its potential for musicians again it's just not, not one of these mechanisms that I think are really really important um, and but it's been quite hard to bring together because we're under-resourced but you know I think um, we're on the cusp of being able to launch that which hopefully will happen early next year I think that'll mean it mean a lot for um, for the network it'll mean a lot and it'll mean a lot for the industry so the industry already look at all our top tens um, the radioscope etc um, monitor what we do because of the volume of New Zealand content that we chew through um, a, a network outcome from that was obviously going to also get it's going to similarly be be quite attractive to a number of um, industry players. So we're looking forward to getting that together. That's an aspiration, I suppose. I've and that's been led by me. I've been very keen on that. Talking about New Zealand music, possibly local music, is there anyone that you've identified as coming through the ranks, as it were, to keep an eye on? Oh gosh, so many far out. Um, the most recent guy um, who has been really impressing me, he's been getting a lot of sign, again he's been one of those artists who's sort of flown under the radar and um, has been receiving a lot of international um, success. He's touring a lot and he is getting a lot of his music signed up. Is in the area of, of dubstep is um, a, a local guy called Gene Warriner who's, who's known as Headland. And um, he's got a track at the moment that's on our playlist, which it's it's a it's a really catchy track. It's called Young Blood, and um, I think he has, I mean, alongside some other producers around him, um, Accept and Eb, who are also local. Um, they are producing some fantastic music together as a community, and they're working with they're working with some really interesting people. Um, so. Um, yeah, I think I think they're definitely ones to keep an eye, f- eye out for. Is there a track that you'd like to uh, play us out with today? Um, well, I, I thought, you know, like, I, it sounds like it's a lot of electronic. So I just really knew that that was going to happen, you see. So I thought, I actually have got a, I've, I love rock and roll. Um, I love blues. I think that blues are essentially the foundation of rock and roll. And... Um, you know, I thought of a piece that I really enjoyed that also had a little bit of electronic in it, but really sort of embraced that rawness of 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 rock and roll. And and I think the artist that I chose was John Spencer, and um, his band The Blues Explosion, and a track called Mars Arizona, which was remixed by DFA, um, and it's a DFA edit. Uh, of Mars, Arizona by the John Spencer Blues Explosion. James, thank you so much for being on the show today. I loved it. Thank you for having me.
and a busy horse man. Lay back, drink some slime. You're not gonna like this at first. You're not gonna like this. How you know you won't like it? I'm not at all.
stink over your stink Get that sweet stink Violetta Ain't gonna help you at all You got that fat lip, baby Let's have a ball Joining me on Garden of Sound today, my guest was James Meharry. If you want to find out more about James's work as a DJ, producer, his vinyl cutting endeavours, or even Wonderball, then head along to gardenofsound.nz and click on James's picture on the front page. On that bespoke page, you can also find a Spotify playlist with most of the tracks you've heard today and a few links to where you can find the rest. Next week on the show, Hera. She's an amazing singer-songwriter who's lived in both New Zealand and Iceland for the majority of her life. She's going to be talking about fame at an early age, collaboration, and some details about the new album. So make sure you're around for that. I'm Ian Turner. Thanks for joining me today on the show. Brought to you with thanks to 4YP. You can find out more about their work at 4YP.org. I hope you've enjoyed yourself. Love to have you back same time next week for Garden of Sound. Hey there, da.